the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site, covering, of course, the Arizona Cardinals. For our first preview show of the week, it is the if episode 495, closing out on 500 shows uh, since we started way back in 2013. Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com joins me as we talk about Cardinals 49ers. It's our previews, picks, and prop bet show. Uh, Seth... This is, you know, even though it's a, a, you know, we're facing the number one team in the NFC this weekend. Um, they've won five straight. The 49ers are absolutely rolling. This is a fun matchup, though, isn't it? I, I This is not like other weeks when we're like dread. I'm like, okay, I, I want to see what happens. And I, I don't know why it's like that, even though I don't expect the Cardinals to win or come close. We're, we're, we're talking about a, a game where we hope it's just competitive. Yeah, and we were talking about it off the air. I mean, something we'll talk about as the night goes along, but that the opening line, 13 and a half, and I'm actually on right now, so we're recording at 4 p.m. Thursday, December 14th. The line on DraftKings Sportsbook is down to 12. Oh, so it's one and a half points down. I'm I'm guessing, and you probably would agree, this is you know coinciding with the 49ers' laundry list of injuries that just came out today. I mean, it is it is absurd, and I I joked on Twitter because you know when this opened, you and I talked about it on on the Tuesday show. We didn't get super super into it, but. Uh, this like 13 and a half actually felt low. You're like, uh, I probably, <laughs> right. I probably take this up to about 16 and a half. So, you know, 17 points basically is, is about where the cutoff would be. And then 18 plus you're like, okay, I might bet on the Cardinals, but right now as it stands, and this is again, Thursday, but this is the two 35 PM. So about an hour and a half before Justin, and I recorded the 49ers do not have Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Dre Greenlaw, or Oren Burks, all starters on the defensive side of the ball, and they're missing uh, two key reserve slash kind of... Oh, and Charvarius Ward, the cornerback. Yeah, Charvarius Ward is working out on the side, but the first group was not even at practice, so like they're not even on the field. Charvarius Ward's on the side working, and then they're two key backups, and obviously their starters are all pro, so it's not a huge deal, but both Elijah Mitchell and Ross Dwelly are not there as well. Uh, Ambry Thomas, the rookie who's looked really good, and then Spencer Buford, one of their offensive linemen, uh, is are both practicing after missing yesterday. So it's a huge list, and you look at the main ones, obviously Armstead, Hargrave, Greenlaw, and Burks, four starters in that front seven, that dominant, you know, aggressive attacking front seven. That's what catches your eye, right? Because we talked about it the other day. Uh, the Cardinals are just not equipped at this moment to to contain this San Francisco <laughs> 49ers offense. I no. mean, it's just it's going to be a long day. 
Well, they're. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, kind of let's look at look at them over the last five games. They've won five in a row. They are the number one, and and they're they they're averaging. So they've got. 34 points, 27 points, 31 points, 42 points on the Eagles, 28 points. So they've scored 27 or more in five straight games. They have not allowed an opponent to reach 20 points in their last five games since the bye week. And so... And, and, yeah, their defensive numbers and are turned, And only turned the ball three times in their last five games, and two of them were last week. In the meantime, they have taken the ball away Ten times. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're. I mean, you just look at it, and their numbers on the season, you know, are third, uh, or sorry, first in points per game. They're uh, they're seventh in yards allowed, but just kind of just hit the nail on the head, right? You look at where they are in the last uh, the last five games, and that's. That's really what's telling the story. Uh, you know, in the last five games, their their yards per game allowed has gone down to 277 yards per game. So for reference, the top team in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns, um, in 13 games is allowing 263. So they're, I mean, they're literally... 14 yards away the number two defense just in yards allowed and that's you know whether you like it or not that's how the nfl ranks defenses you know it is what it is the number two defense is 285 so they're they're eight yards clear of the number two defense in yards per game and they are the number one scoring defense in the nfl now um but to put that into perspective they're at 205 points allowed in 13 games that's about 15.8 points per game during this stretch they're allowing 13 points per game so they're allowing less than two touchdowns per game in this stretch and so it's just kind of just kind of painted the picture their defense has reached that that next level that they were hoping to with the with the acquisition of chase young right um they were they were good I don't want to take anything away from what they were doing pre-Chase Young, but there were issues. I mean, the biggest one obviously being they just didn't feel like they had a guy across from Chase that could offer any any pass-rushing ability. Um, across from Bosa, you mean? Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, from Bosa. <laughs> Nick yes. Bosa. Apologies. Nick so, Bosa, Chase yeah. Young is that guy now, but before that it was just and, – and even last year. Like, you look at last year's numbers, like their, their insane pressure numbers were almost all Nick Bosa. Right, and so now they've got a guy who, you know, in in his five games, coincidentally, right, five games with the, with the 49ers, he's got one and a half sacks. He has four quarterback hits. Like, all of a sudden, it's just really, really changed things uh, for what he does. So, or what they do on defense. And then, you know, you do press, you, you look at pressure over coverage. It's something we talk about all the time, right? You can get away with the Cardinals, and, and to tie this into the Cardinals, obviously we always preview the opponent, but to tie this into the Cardinals, you can you can get away with who the Cardinals have along the 
in the secondary, right? I mean, you look at their top corners, for instance. You have Charvarius Ward, who's a very good player. I don't want to take anything away from him. Uh, Diamandre, Lenore, and Ambry Thomas. I mean, clearly Ward would be cornerback one if you put both rooms together, right? But you could make a case that the Cardinals could have the two and three uh, in that and if you combine the rooms. Um, the difference is Lenore and Thomas get to play behind Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, uh, you know, uh, Eric Armstead, and and now, like we said, Chase Young. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, these guys are way better <laughs> than the Cardinals guys. <laughs> and 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 they are because of what's in front of them. So in that in that case, you know, you have to look at it from that perspective. So it all starts up front. So if you miss two of those guys, and they and they're both the uh, interior guys, right? Hargrave and Armstead. Um Hargrave has six sacks. Armstead has five sacks. So you're talking about 11 sacks and and 26 quarterback hits that they're missing. Um, Just for reference of like how good Nick Bosa is nine and a half sacks and 32 quarterback hits by himself. So like, you know, again, we're talking about a, a guy that you mentioned in the same breath as, as TJ Watt, as, as, you know, prime Aaron Donald, prime JJ Watt. Like that's where he's elevating his game to right now. Um, you know, he he's becoming a a great, great player. And obviously highlighted last year, sixth in MVP voting was the defensive player of the year, obviously first team all pro. So like he just he's taking that and his last three years are are starting to get into, you know, that that hall of fame level when you're talking about 15 and a half sacks 18 and a half sacks he has nine and a half this year um you know he's just he's just such a a dominant force at that edge position and it what makes it even more impressive is you know coming off that that acl injury in 2020 he's done that in in three consecutive years um you know so he's he's just far and away the best probably player in this game on either side of the football, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's and then insane. and then, you know, I don't know how many of you follow along with 49ers or, or follow closely with 49ers, but our, our you know, good buddy of mine, Kyle Posey, who is the manager at Niners Nation. He's not even a Niners fan. He's just a football guy, but it's a great opportunity for him to cover a, you know, a big team in a big market. But it, one of the things he loves is he loves watching Fred Warner play and and uh, you know, he highlights it all the time, but he is, I mean, Fred Warner is truly a cheat code at, at the inside linebacker position or just the linebacker position overall with his ability to, to not just play downhill, which is what makes him, you know, so great in the eyes of so many, but it's his coverage ability that is just such a difference maker. And he is, he is legitimately one of the best covered linebackers that we have ever seen in the game. Um, his ability to run with wide receivers, uh, running backs, obviously tight ends uh, is what makes him a unique player. And so when you're talking about, you know, all of a sudden you've got two all pros at, at, each level you know at the front line and then in the in in the middle uh it makes it really tough now they've lost their other all pro in Talanoa Hufonga who uh went down with the ACL injury he's done for the season um you know but he and he's one of their you know 
kind of vocal, spiritual, and physical leaders. He, you know, he's that borderline dirty player. And we, we remember the game, you know, at the end of the game against San Francisco and San Francisco, he and James Conner had uh, a physical altercation. You know, that's just, that's what he brings. He, he gets that out of people with his, with his play. And, and like I said, it's borderline, you know, dirty, but at the same time, you're talking about a guy that makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, and so that's going to be, a, you know, something to watch, uh, going forward but this is a you know this is a defense that I mean we just we really can't say enough about the last five weeks but and again this is probably where all that movement comes from if they're without if they're a, a slightly different team without Hargrave with without armstead and without drake greenlaw who i mean we didn't even really talk about drake greenlaw because fred warner's so freaking good that you don't typically talk about drake greenlaw right so uh it's just it's a insanely talented group if for some reason charvarius ward misses as well i mean you're talking about them missing their their top player in their secondary uh their number two linebacker and then their their number one and two interior defensive linemen and we're still like, yeah, they're probably going to lose by double digits. Yeah. And then and, and we look on the offensive side of the ball. Like, these are some of the numbers. Through 12 games, Christian McCaffrey has um, nearly 1,200 yards. I'm sorry, through 13 games. He's got a uh, 1,177 yards. He's averaging 5.2 per carry, 12 touchdowns. He's got um, over 1,600 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has over 1,000 yards already. Um, already a career high. And then Brock Purdy, we know the Brock Purdy story, and but looking at his last five games, okay, his last five games, he's got 13 touchdown passes and two interceptions. Um, his, like, talking to Kyle Madsen, where you, you guys will hear that show as it drops on, on Saturday. I already spoke with him on that show. He's playing at an MVP level, whether or not you believe he's the MVP, but he's got, He's got 20 oh, – worse, worse than his number. So he's got over 3,500 passing yards right now. He's got 25 touchdown passes, seven interceptions. Um, he's playing at and, – and we saw we saw what he did against the Cardinals in, in week four, 20 of 21 passing, had a passing touchdown, had a rushing touchdown. Um, basically had no resistance by the Cardinals' defense, and he's just doing it at every at every level. He's doing it on the, in the short game, the intermediate game, the, the, the long game. He's, he's excelling at every single level. Debo Samuel, his his three game apps like they they've got Debo back and he's been a difference maker. He's got 900 yards from scrimmage this year in 11 games. Um, he, but that that sort of impact player where you can he's a big playmaker whether it's in the run game in the pass game just as a this you can't you have to account for him and so this is a the Niners and this is a number that that you will hear later that of the of the 10 most efficient offensive performances this season, the Niners have five of them, and they're the only team that have more than one. And multiple of those have come since week five after the teams are making adjustments. And I, I stole <laughs> so you're gonna that's that's a stat that y'all will hear on the next show that I just stole from Kyle. But this team is just they are so much on both sides of the ball, and that's. That's kind of the problem. They are 
Like if you want to look at Brock Purdy's playing at an all pro level. They have a, a one of the best running backs in the NFL. They have a great receiving core. They have one of the best tight ends in the game. They have the best left tackle, so they have a good offensive line. They have two of the best they have two of the most talented pass rushers. They have the you know, arguably the best pass rush in the game, Nick Bosa, and one of the most talented guys in Chase Young. They've got great interior defenders, Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. They've got probably the best linebacker in the Fred Warner. And then, so, and in the secondary, they just don't, they, they don't have elite talent. They're just pretty good. And so they have, well, they have no, yeah. honestly, they have no weaknesses at all when they're healthy. Well, and you look at it, the biggest things, um, the biggest things you look at overall are things like, well, they don't have to, you know, they don't have to blitz a ton. I know, I know they do blitz some, um, Steve Wilkes likes to blitz, but you know, they don't have to blitz a ton. So you can drop seven, almost every play and it makes it really easy. It's a very strong word. And I don't mean it that way, but it's much easier to cover, right? When you can get pressure or, or sacks with, with four guys from there, you know, you look at it and you've got, You've got different things. I mean, you've got obviously an efficient offense. You have a dynamic running game uh, led by you know the the best running back in the NFL. You have a you have a four headed monster in the passing game with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and then of course Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield as well. Uh, that that makes things you know makes things easier for Brock Purdy. But you have a guy that's playing with confidence at an extremely high level. You know, the big thing that, you know, that gets thrown around with Brock is that he, you know, a lot of his stuff is, is easy. And it, I mean, at times it is, I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's, to ar- it, argue, it's hard to argue the metrics though, because like his, his big time throws down the field. He's at the top. The, his numbers at every level of thrower are great. His yak numbers are comparable to other MVP season Patrick Mahomes the yak numbers he had were better than 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 Purdy's and so it's just it, it feels it makes me mad that they can they and I've said this before it just makes me mad that they can screw up a draft and a quarterback pick the way they did and come out of it in a better position yeah and it's just I mean a lot of it's luck I, that's all it is uh you, you know and so you look at it and and it's it's just one of those things that his big games are a lot of it you know it, a lot of it does come from like you said yak like you go back to the was it the did they play on thanksgiving am i misremembering that uh yes yes they did they yeah did. and you you look at that game you know in, on thanksgiving where um you know some of the plays were were just uh one of those situations where you're like, oh, this is, you know, get the ball to Debo and he runs. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and other guys don't have that, but there's nothing wrong with that nope. at all. Nope. Like, and, and, and I've talked about this on, on other shows uh, with Kyle is the fact that remember Jimmy Garoppolo, su- su- supposedly a superior quarterback in talent. He wasn't doing his mic. What Brock does is deliver the ball in a way where they can. Jimmy Garoppolo often had guys open, and his throws would 
stop them and would not hit them in stride and things like that. Brock is a fantastic player. I like, do I believe that the, that the 49ers, if we took and took any number of quarterbacks and put them in the 49ers system, that would be better. Do I believe that Kyler Murray in that offense in San Francisco would make that team electric with like 45 points a game? I do think so, but nonetheless, you can't knock Purdy because look at what he's doing. Look, it, it's not, there's nothing about his game that is weak right now. And you can't deny that. And so that's what makes this 49ers team on top of the talent of the defense. They have one of the best schemed offenses and run games in the league. They have versatility in formations and personnel because of what you can do with Kyle Juszczyk, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel. You, you, as a defense, depending on the personnel they have, you can't go big or light and still and gain an advantage because the Niners can just do something different because of the talent they have. Right. And, and, you know, they can win close games. They can win blowouts. You know, one of the, one of the interesting stats that you go back to, or, or you look at when you're just talking about quarterback play in general is, and it's just something that you rarely, rarely see um, that Brock Purdy, I, I want to double check to make sure I have this right. Uh, yeah, in his career. So he's played in, we um, started 18 games. So he has a 15 and three record as a starter. In his career, he has one fourth quarter comeback or game winning drive. <laughs> and and that's and that's not a shot at him. It's just it's, like he's this, never losing. And that's, that's because right. you put yourself in a position to where you're not losing. And then you've got a defense that keeps the lead, and that's so that's that's good. That it's not a bad thing. He just hasn't had, but you know, they. You look at the game. One of their losses against the the Browns. Purdy rallied them. He, he had a bad game, and led them to what should have been a game winning drive, and the kicker missed it. Right, and so it's just one of those situations that you know he he is he is a beneficiary of playing in a great system with great talent around him but at the same time like like just said like he's playing at an incredibly high level so you can't take anything away from him in that in that case so it's just you know it is what it is type situation uh it's like just said it's unfortunate <laughs> that that they're that lucky but at the same time you know you can't take any way anything away from what they've accomplished or what they've done um you know they look like the pro- prohibitive favorites heading into into this uh playoff season like they're going to win the super bowl this year and and i think as cardinals fans that's what makes it so hard is that you know they like just said they screwed up unequivocally made a terrible decision and got away with it. And, and for Cardinals fans, even when they make the right decisions, um, they, they can't do anything to take advantage of it. And that's, and that, you know, is always the frustrating part for, for fans or, or those that are haters or however you want to look at it, because it's not so much hating as it is envy or jealousy that a team that has no business, uh, getting away with having the you know trading up and trading a bevy of picks for the third overall pick in the in in a draft 
and now doesn't have to face any consequences. <laughs> right, right. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, the of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on and talk about the Cardinals 49ers matchups, keys, matchups that we've got. That's coming up next on Rise Up Series. We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. The Cardinals played the 49ers for the second time this season. They lost 35-16. to We've talked about some of the injuries and, like, keys to this game. I think, I think one, it's like, obviously, number one, they can't turn the ball over. They have to do that. Like they've done the last two weeks. They haven't turned the ball over in two weeks. They have um, only two turnovers in four games with Kyler's return. Um, and that before that, they had ten turnovers in the previous five. And so that becomes kind of one of the main keys that you want to look at. But, I mean, I think also kind of plan number one. With that offense, you can't roll, you can't run, with, you can't hang with them really. And so what you have to do, they have to slow it down. So they've got to rely on the run game. It's got to be James, it's got to be the James Conner show, especially, especially with no Eric Arbstand or expected to be no Armstead and no Hargrave because that will you can limit the possessions and and I think you know when we get to the picks like I our our prop bets and stuff like that, that that's one of the things we want to look at is like pound the run game um get Connor involved get Kyler involved but get those legs involved and and the run game will be critical well and you'll be able to actually throw a little bit better if Hargrave and and uh, arms that are out too. that too you know, that too that but that's the problem is like we're making these picks on a thursday we really have no idea and if you look at it you know passing touchdowns on uh, and we'll get to it but like just so people understand kind of where this is coming from passing touchdowns aren't even available for kyler murray for an over they have the under but they don't have an over number yet um you know rushing props are out but it's just like there's there's a lot that's going to hedge in those games or or change in those numbers and so Jess and I'll give you what we think but also maybe some numbers to like look at uh just in case that those numbers aren't available when you go to make your bets uh, but you know they're going to have to play keep away i mean that's that's the biggest thing right you know um uh, and and they're going to have to get points at the end of of that keep away. So how do you do that? Well, I mean, like you said, run the ball, quick completions. Um, you know, are you able to to pass the ball? They have the number one run defense in the NFL for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Cardinals did run for 105 against them in week four. Um, Connor had 11 for 52 in that game. Dobbs used his legs a little bit, but. Uh, here's the thing, like the, the two key players last game against uh, Pittsburgh, Connor and Trey McBride. Connor, I expect could you could, but I don't know if we can count on Trey McBride being their main pass catcher when you've got a Fred Warner. Defending. Well, and that'll be, I mean, that'll be an absolute. If if even if McBride only, and I say only, like kind of lightheartedly, but like only goes for sixty yards or something like that in the game, that's a huge win. I don't think people realize that because as Jess is kind of pointing out, like Fred Warner doesn't give up yards. Like he's literally the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. So, you know, if they're able to do anything passing wise on Fred Warner, it's a, it's a win. Um, you know, how do they run the ball? You look at, you look at the games that have been close ish or that they've lost. And, and a lot of it comes from that. Uh, obviously 160 yards to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, then, 
134 yards to the Cincinnati Bengals. Those are the two most yards they've given up all season or, or games. They've given up the most yards, uh, you know, outside of the Minnesota Vikings game where I think that was kind of Kirk Cousins just having one of his out-of-body nights where he, um, you know, plays better than everybody expects. So, you know, it's one of those things that you look at. Their defense this year has been prone to more letdowns than their offense, but their letdowns are still very few and far between. <laughs> as um, as evidenced by the, the they, they get they don't allow many points. Um, right. The matchups obviously we're, we have our eyeballs on the tackle and edge matchups, where you've got Nick Bosa, Chase Young, DJ Humphreys, Paris Johnson. That'll be big. In this matchup, um, if there's one thing that you, you you don't want Kyler to have to, like if their running game's not going very well or it's going a little bit, you can't expect Kyler to drop back 40 to 45 to 50 times and and then get harassed. So they'll need big games from DJ and from Paris Johnson. I will say this, though. Interestingly enough, DJ Humphreys has had a very good track record against Nick Bosa in his career. If there's one guy that he's been able it, to stymie, it's been pretty good. Isn't that just weird? Yeah. Isn't that just a weird thing? It is. It's just weird when guys are just good against really good players. Um, you know, so you look at it, there's there's a lot of different different aspects of this game. You look at you look at their games. They've only allowed one 300-yard passer all season. That was Kirk Cousins. You know, we mentioned the three 100-yard rushers. Um, you know, you you mentioned that in the last uh, in the last several games, they've basically won the turnover battle. Right? You know, two against they forced two against Seattle. Uh, they forced two against Seattle the other time. They didn't force any against Philly, but I mean. I think I would rather turn the ball over and at least have that as an excuse as opposed to what Philly did, right? But uh, in in those five games, you know, you mentioned it, 10 turnovers. They've only turned the ball over three times. So if you're talking about keeping it close, that's where it starts. I mean, you look, you go to the Jacksonville game, and I think you and I would agree that Jacksonville is unequivocally a better team than the Arizona Cardinals. They just are. Uh they held them to 221 yards of offense, forced four turnovers, won that game 34 to three. Oh, by the way, that was in Jacksonville. So um, obviously, you know, we remember this, the first Seattle game. I mentioned it, the Thanksgiving night game. You know, they hold uh, Seattle to 220 total yards of offense, first forced two turnovers, went 31 13. We, we just mentioned the Philly game. You know, Philly. Move the ball a little bit, 330 yards of offense, but you know, 42 to 19. They're, they're, they just had no, no prayer. And so you look at those games and you're just like, well, those are, that's where the tough, you know, that, that's where it gets tough. So how do you win? Um, quick game. Don't obviously, as you mentioned, don't let Kyler get hurt or get hit very often. Um, opportunistic running the ball, you know, being able to get two, three yards when you need two or three yards, you know, third and two, you can't, you can't have to throw the ball in third and two. Um, and then 
hitting a shot. You're going to have to hit a shot somewhere. Um, you know, especially if Charvarius wards out Ambry Thomas, you know, I mentioned it's been really good, but he's still, I think a third round rookie, fifth round rookie. I don't remember, but you know, he's, he's been very good, uh, but he's still a rookie, uh, yeah. you know, so those are the guys you have to kind of take uh, advantage of. And so when you look at it from those perspective, yeah, third round rookie or no, he's a third year player. He just doesn't play much the first two years. Jeez. Um, you know, when you look at it, he and he and Demandre Lenore, they're not they're not guys that ideally would be starting, but they've picked up their game and they're playing at a high level. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's a it's a it's a tall task, man. I mean, this is this is one of those games where, you know, when we were lamenting two weeks ago, how are these Pittsburgh Steelers seven and four? We look at this game, we go, how have they, how are the 49ers, how have they lost three games? Because it just, <laughs> they just look like that invincible team that, that doesn't lose football games. Yeah. That well, and, and you look at those three games, they turned the ball over seven times. And so that, that was kind of the, and they didn't have Debo Samuel. They didn't have Trent Williams in those games. Um, we look at the receivers. The Cardinals have not gotten much from their receivers, but Michael Wilson in Week 4 had a big game. Um, Hollywood appears to be getting better. With Charvarius Ward out, that's going to leave Lenore and Thomas on the outside, Isaiah Oliver on the inside. Um, could we see another repeat game from Michael Wilson this week, or is this... or? Can we get anything from Hollywood? I mean, I think that's important to even compete, right? I mean, obviously, you need your your best players to play well. That's an obvious statement. But, you know, if they're going to be able to maintain this game, like I said, they're going to have to be able to hit some shots. The quick game, that's where they've missed Michael Wilson is those big those big body target throws over the middle, quick slants, quick hitting routes. They haven't been able to run those. You know, Dorch does a nice job. Uh, for the most part, but he still gets out muscled a lot of the times, and then and then that's just not the game for Rondell and, and Hollywood as we've seen. So, you know, Wilson, that's where they've missed his presence more than anything to me is that they just don't have somebody that can run those quick outs, those quick ins, and and compete for the ball uh, when it's in the air. Um, you know, so that'll be big for him to be back. Hollywood, they just need him to get back into a rhythm of some kind. Uh, I don't know what the answer is by any means, uh, but they just need him, you know, to get into some type of rhythm again and become a viable pass-catching threat on a consistent basis or, you know, whether or not we think he's worth X amount of dollars, he's just not going to be able to to be paid by the Cardinals um, unless it just becomes like, Hey, we'll give you, you know, uh, $8 million for one year. So you can come back and try to play better. But, you know, thus far he's not earning that 17, $18 million deal that we've seen thrown around by some prognosticators about what he'd get. And it just seems like it's, it's moving further and further away from that, and closer and closer to maybe he is back next year on a one-year deal because uh, that's the best he's going to be able to do with how he's performed this year. Right, right. Any other matchups or keys that you see the Cardinals needing to be competitive tonight? This next I mean, o- obviously, can they get to Brock Purdy at all? Brock Purdy, you know, it, 
the the offensive line with a healthy Trent Williams is a strength of the 49ers, uh, but you have to be able to still make him move off his spot and and make plays outside of outside of structure. That's still the best way to get to him. Um, I quite frankly don't know if they're going to be able to. It's something we've lamented all year, uh, and and you know their their receivers are kind of the the antithesis of the Cardinals receivers, right? Like <laughs> they're the big, they're physical, and they're athletic. Whereas the Cardinals have very uh, athletic, undersized receivers. So those are you know, it's going to be a tough one, man. And and there's not, I don't think there's a matchup outside of maybe Matt Prater that you're like, oh, the Cardinals have an advantage there. <laughs> and and that's that's what makes this whole situation tough. Yeah, in that matchup um, in week four, the Cardinals had one sack and did not get their hands on the football at all. No pass breakups at all. So, yeah, that's that, that's got to change. That's definitely got to change. But in fairness, they the 49ers also, they, they are one of the best in the league at getting their hands on the football in the past game. They didn't have any pass breakups in that game either against Josh Dobbs. But coming up next on the Rise of Seared podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on, talk about predictions and prop bets. That's coming up next on Rise of Seared. We're back on the Rise of Seared podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web, talking about the Cardinals matchup this weekend. Um, let's go ahead and get the prediction out of the way. Um, I, oh, I think you and I kind of have the same type of idea though. I wouldn't surprise. So I think this is going to go one of two ways. Uh, I is, I think the Cardinals can move the ball offensively, but I don't think they're going to be able to stop the 49ers at all. And so, you know, it's a 12 and a half draft. Was it, um, Draft They're down to 12. 12. Yeah. It's 12 and a half still on on BetMGM. And so the question is, do we think they can cover? I thought earlier in the week, yes. And, and based on my score prediction that I wrote for, for um, Sports Weekly, I will say they'll still cover. But... <sighs> I think it'll be the scenario that we didn't get last week, last in week four, rather. Remember, they the Cardinals were covering, and then they, the Niners got down it at the goal line, and I hoped, and they got that Brock Purdy rush touchdown to get it up to, to the 19 points, and we hoped that he would just decide to kneel it down. Nope, 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 no. So I thought we might get a cover last time, and we didn't. Uh, I have this game going 31-20. to 20. I could see it go in 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 a high in the best case scenario, where the offense is humming, that it's thirty eight twenty seven. I don't think the Cardinals are going to keep it within ten. I don't, but will it be less? Will they still be able to cover? I think that's a nice possibility. It'll be a ten to twelve point loss where they are competitive, but still. <laughs> <laughs> the the Niners ultimately are unmatched. So they have no basically off the Cardinals are doing things offensively and can't do anything defensively. Yeah, and that's I mean, I'm with you on that. It's going to be really tough to see them um to see them compete in this game. And so I think I think you know, you look at it, I think the I I want to say that the Cardinals backdoor cover this, but we saw, as Jess pointed out last time, we we thought they were there, and then the 49ers jerks and scored again. <laughs> um, 
Well, and then we had what the drop Michael Wilson drop, and then yeah. So I mean, you had you had some chances. I think with the way the injury report is playing right now, if you got in at thirteen and a half, you have to feel okay. Twelve becomes an iffy number. Like that would be like my. I would stay away from it. I'm gonna pick thirty-one twenty. Niners win this game and the Cardinals cover late, but like I wouldn't be shocked as Jess kind of said, like if it ends up being like you know forty-two ten, I could see it a forty-two yeah. ten game getting it out of out of hand in a hurry, and I, that would really stink because I want the offense. I want the I know the defense won't be able to do much. I want the offense to, to show something compete. this week. Yes, yeah. to to at least compete, and that's the big thing. Uh, so you know that's that's that. There are a couple you know interesting props on here that i like i want to get your opinion on a couple of them as well um first one longest completion for brock purdy 38 and a half yards that feels like a lock um yeah yeah uh you know as we mentioned the the amount of weapons he has at his disposal that just seems like one that that's pretty easy there um receiving props you know you look at you look at the different guys. The longest reception one is there again, and I'm looking at a couple of them. And the one that kind of sticks out is Christian McCaffrey over 12 and a half yards. Uh, the odds aren't great, minus 125, but it feels like again, kind of a lock that right. You know that he's going to break one. At yeah, least. catch one out of the backfield. Um, there is a plus money one I like. And again, it's tough when you're expecting a game to be this lopsided. So there's, I should say there's two that I like. So the first one I like that I feel extremely confident in, even though we've talked ad nauseum about how good Fred Warner is, I like Trey McBride over five and a half catches. Um, he's a he's a security blanket. I think he's going to get probably. 13 to 15 targets in the game. So six, you know, hauling down half of those or a little less than half is a probability. But Brandon Ayuk is plus money, so plus 100, so basically even money, um, to have over four and a half catches. And I feel really confident about that. Like, Yeah, and 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 that's a better – the DraftKings odds are better there because it's minus 105 for the same, uh, for the same total there, for over four and a half at minus 105. Um. And then, you know, I'm. They don't have any. Um, they don't have any ladders yet. But the other one I like, Debo Samuel, over seventy-seven and a half rushing plus receiving yards. Uh, that feels like it's going to be fairly straightforward. He'll probably end up with thirty rushing yards and and probably fifty to sixty receiving yards. So I don't think that's a tough one. The last one that I I like, and I'm interested in your take. They have uh, Kyler Murray's longest rush attempt over 13 and a half yards. That's minus 115, minus 110 uh, on BetMGM. Uh, okay, so the only thing that concerns me, and I, this is where I want to get your opinion on this, is there are times when he has shown that he's not going to run. Now, this year, you know, you look at it, he's got a long of 13, a long of 22. 
Um, the Pittsburgh game, his longest was only nine. But again, I, I take that game in general with with a grain of salt. Uh, but the, the L.A. game is the one I kind of stare at, right? He only rushed once for two yards, obviously longest attempt two yards. That's where I'm like, if it doesn't happen early, is it going to happen or is he going to try to sit in the pocket and make plays in this game? That's that's the only concern I have with that one. Uh, you know, but if it's a competitive game, then I I could see like if it they're behind but competitive, that's where I think his his rushing yards come in, where he might bust a big one. If it, if they're losing by a ton, no. If they're winning by a lot, that he he's pretty like like against Pittsburgh, he doesn't do it much. And then they they sit with the ground game and they they run with Connor and things like that. So if it's if it's a one to like if it's a ten point game, I think we might see that because then then he's like I'm gonna make a play, and, and we need it. But my favorite one is a basic one, and that's James Conner. Uh, they've got fifty one and a half is the is the total, the projected total for his rushing yards. Fifty one and a half yards minus one fifteen. I think that's I think it's a lock. In fact, we don't have the alternate lines yet. I would I would expect him to be at about 70. So if you can get plus 70 or, or, or 70 or more, 75 or more, I bet you'll probably see those at about plus 150. Um, I really like those. Uh, that line is more than anything because they're going to they're going to lean on him, and because of the the absences in the interior of the defensive line for the for the 49ers. He only had 11 carries in Week Four, 11 for 52. And that was that. You know, they set it at fifty-one and a half. It seems like that one is as sure as any to to get. Yeah, I like that one as well. That's a that's that one looks good. Um, you know, it's it's just this is a tough one, man. I mean, like like Jess said, we're they have um, on DraftKings right now over fifty-one and a half at minus one fifteen. So. I just would say kind of hammer that one. If the if the alternative odds come out, look at you know laddering 60, 70. Man, this is just such a, a difficult one. The one I wanted, and and it's interesting that they don't have the 49ers sack numbers on here because you would figure that those are probably going to be bad odds, right? Um but they have Prater over one and a half field goals made at plus one seventy. It feels like if they're gonna score, it's gonna be a couple long field goals, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially the way he's kicking right now and the confidence that they have in him. And it's indoors. Yeah, yeah. There's there's and that then, as well. And then the other one, Moody's over three and a half, and that's plus money. I would actually take that as well. Um, over three and a half extra points. Sorry, extra points made. So that would be four touchdowns. I think they're going to score <laughs> at least four touchdowns yes. in this one. Here, here's one that's a good one that's plus money. Um, alternate total. That would be at fifty over 50 at plus 110. Um, or like if you want to just want to go at, at 49 and a half, over 49 and a half, and that's a plus 100. So that goes either like a, like the, the 31 to 20 type scenario, 30 to 21, or 42 to 10 still does it too. Yeah, and I think both of those would yeah are, are plausible scenarios too. So, it's it's tough, man. This is a this is a tough week. Um, obviously, coming off this week, you feel if they compete, you're gonna you're gonna hear Jess and I's voice, even though 
coming off a win, coming off a what was probably their most dominant performance of the season, uh, you're probably going to hear us if even if it's you know a 31-24 loss, 31-21 loss, we're going Justin and I are going to be like, hey, hey this this ain't too bad, uh, <laughs> and, and we'll probably it's speak a good loss, right? We'll probably speak with a little more confidence heading into that Chicago Bears game. If it's forty-two to ten, uh, we're gonna not have any idea what to say or expect, or <laughs> because you just don't know who's gonna show up at that point. Yeah, but, you know, two and two since the return of Kyler, we're gonna put the number at you know less than zero point five percent that the Cardinals win this game. Um, <laughs> so you know there is a chance, as as Harry would say from Dumb and Dumber, but. Uh, it's a very, very low chance, uh, but a, a competitive game for Jess and I will will quell our desire uh, for what we want to see in this and, and kind of get us to the point where we're like, okay, we're okay with that. But, uh, you know, if they come out and play like they did against the Rams, against the Browns, you know, uh, that is going to be where we go ugh, and kind of, I don't know. I don't, I mean, this is one of those games where we've never seen Jonathan Gannon's team off a bye, obviously. Um, the 49ers are hurting and they're coming off a five game stretch that, you know, we've laid out in the last two shows about how hard it was and in terms of on paper and then how easy they made it look in the games. And so, um, you know, and, and their last perform their last two performances, you know, over a thousand yards uh, from scrimmage, scoring uh, seventy points in two games against two teams. You know, obviously the Eagles, the number one seed at the time, and then at the time the Seahawks were, I think, the seventh seed. And now, you know, they they just they go out and put on a different display than anything we've seen from what the Cardinals can do. So it just makes it a little. A little tougher. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of the Rise Up Series podcast, Best of Cardinals Talking Web, episode 495. Uh, you will hear me with Kyle Madsen drop uh, tomorrow, dropping on Saturday. And then, but Seth and I will be back next week to talk about the Cardinals uh, and their likely loss to the 49ers. Uh, so we'll wrap that up. Thanks for listening. As always, that's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is the Rise of Fury Podcast. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals Talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.